welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Painted with Torlando. This episode is sponsored by Benjamin Moore and Sherwin Williams. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. I am your host. So good to have you guys on the show today, listening wherever you are. Maybe you're driving to a bid. Maybe you're up on a ladder. Maybe you're in the office. Maybe you are on vacation and you just can't get enough of Paint Ed. I get it. It's a good show, if I don't say so myself. Uh, I, I love doing the show, you guys. And part of the reason why I love doing it is because I get to talk to so many smart guests, people who have this stuff figured out. And, you know, the thing is, is that nobody really seems to have everything figured out, but there's certain people who have certain parts really figured in, figured out, really dialed in. And so I've got a great guest for you on the show. Ryan Naylor of Viva HR is going to be on. And you guys know I've been talking about Viva HR um, you can, uh, you, you got to check this tool out. We've got PCA has got a relationship with v, uh, Viva HR. Um, there's a, there's a job board that they built that you can actually post your jobs to this platform, um, find candidates. And then they've got a whole backend system that allows you to manage these candidates, put it out to 50 different bo- job boards. I was on a virtual call. I, I started doing these uh, virtual roundtables. And if you're, you're interested in this, you got to go to the uh, Painted Face group and hit me up. Just send me your email and I'll add you to this uh, calendar invite. Uh, but we, we were talking about hiring and, and trying to find um, employees and find crews. And, and I said, I asked if anybody had uh, tried out Viva HR and one guy had, and he said that, uh, uh, he said that in the first month, okay, the first month, it was maybe a slow trickle. But then that second month, he's been getting like 20 candidates a month from Viva HR. Um, a really great deal if you're trying to find uh, employees. So I'm really glad to have him on. And we're going to talk a little bit about the onboarding process. Because I'll tell you what, um, that is something that, you know, they just don't train us uh, how to do in, in the field. You know, we don't always lo- know or learn how to how to appropriately do an onboarding process. And and here's the deal. Here's what's at stake if you don't get this right. Uh, people will leave a job if the onboarding sucks. That's the bottom line. About 50% of employees leave within the first 12 months. And a lot of it has to do because they, they they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They don't know what's expected out of them. Their job description isn't clear. Uh, they're not learning fast enough. They don't feel like it's them. They don't, they aren't uh, getting a bolt. They don't have a sense of belonging in the, in the team. They don't feel or understand what the culture is like. I get it. You know, sometimes you get into a new job and it's just uh, it's just kind of awkward. You know, starting a new job just stinks. And if the vibe isn't right, um, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you're getting paid because uh, it's, it's not going to be good enough. So I'm really excited to talk about that. Uh, before we uh, before we begin here, um, I want to mention to you that 
this show and shows uh, just like it um, are all available on PCA Overdrive, where you get 500 hours of video content. I mean, 500 hours of video content, educational, inspirational, um, breaking down how to run a painting business. There are training materials there for your people. Um, and the best part, it's super cheap, $5.99 a month if you're not a member. And uh, it's included in PCA membership if you join. Um, really great benefit there. Um, folks, uh, let's just bring Ryan on because uh, I want to jump right into this show. Let's go ahead and welcome Mr. Ryan Naylor, VVHR. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. That, what a great intro. You're too kind. <laughs> well, I'm I'm impressed with you, and and you know we met at a conference. Uh, I think it was early last year, and and I saw what you guys were doing, and I thought, man, this would be such a great benefit to the industry. I've got to bring it on. The great thing is that you come with a wealth of knowledge regarding the whole hiring process, and that was made clear on our on the show that we did a couple months ago. Um, where we talked about the hiring process. And so I had to bring you on to, to talk about onboarding because I know that there's more there. Um, don't worry, listeners, this isn't going to be a 45-minute uh, uh, pitch for Viva HR, even though I think you should use it. Um, we're going to get some real tangible um, advice out of here. So let's start with this, uh, with this main problem, which uh, you, you brought up and, and so eloquently put before the show that... Um, contractors are simply just losing good talent faster than they can hire it. Tell me about that. It's a major problem. The Society of Human Resource Management, so SHRM, is kind of the authoritative figure in everything hiring, retaining, training, compliance, right? And they survey small businesses to kind of see what's happening in the workforce. And they're finding over 50% of new hires are leaving their current employer before their first anniversary. Mm. And then they stack rank it by industry. And so they say, you know, financial services actually has really high retention. Uh, hospitality, terrible retention. Guess who has the worst retention? Contractor services. Mm. So you're in an industry that right now, Candidates feel more comfortable going and getting a new job that pays them more than willing to talk to their current employer and the awkwardness of asking for more money. And that's unfortunate. If you have a really good person, what is it that set them up in their first year of employment with you that makes them feel more comfortable to go somewhere else? So I think that's a really important discussion. And, and we've worked with a lot of companies around this topic because we know who they are because they keep coming back and posting the same job over and over again. And they're coming sure. because their company's growing. They're satisfying attrition. And it's a major problem. We don't like seeing that. We want to yeah. see growth and, and growth can only happen when there's stability inside your company. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, you know, one of the hardest parts about, uh, you know, building a contracting business is the fact that you, especially at the beginning, you are wearing so many hats and, um, because it's so resource heavy in terms of people like labor, it's so labor intensive um, that sometimes the margins aren't in place in those early stages to really uh, put a, a, an effort on human resources programming. Um, we don't have 
companies that have HR directors or, you know, recruiters, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of owners, this is just kind of a it's an afterthought. It's like they're, they're focused on marketing and, and selling uh, services and then they get all these jobs and they're like, oh, crap, I got to find people to, to hire. Uh, and and it's just I, I think for the person coming in. Um, and I always try to have empathy for the person coming in. I think about that person standing in front of me or sitting in front of me on the other side of the desk asking for a job is because they are trying to satisfy uh, a, a very essential need in their life, which is to be able to uh, earn a living for themselves and their family. And they spend so much time at work um, that if it's not right, they're just going to go home. And I'll tell you what, if their spouse is sitting through uh, you, you know, sitting through them complaining about work all day, uh, at some point they're going to say, maybe it's time to look for another job. And so I, I just, I know for my own personal experience that going from, um, you know, being the employer to, uh, to being on a, on a team, um, in, in a different industry that there were so many things that I didn't know and understand as an employer that I was just blind to because I started my painting company when I was you know 23 years old. Um, I don't know. any. I didn't know any better. Uh, but now that I'm going through it, I'm like, oh, gosh, there's so many things that I would do do differently. And I have to say that, you know, I would I would start with the onboarding and, and really try and examine how can I how can I make this experience so good for the, the person coming in that it will not only satisfy their base, not baseline needs, but they no matter how long they stay with me, if they leave and move on that they just remember their time at this company as being well worth it, fond memories, a lot of nostalgia. That's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of going for. And, and so I, I'm looking for you, I'm looking to you to help me uh, come up with a, an onboarding plan today. Can you help me with that? Let's do it. I think there's, there's massive problems in this. And I think companies when done right are going to see a major transformation Um with quality of work. I mean, if you have to keep training yeah. new people over and over again, doesn't, I think everybody's probably, you know, hitting their head against the ladder right now. We're like, absolutely. We hate it. So let's, yeah. let's keep people around. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what's the first thing that we need to understand um, about, uh, about the onboarding process? Well, let's dive into what the job seeker cares about. Now the employer, the contractor, right? We care about, Great, great people that are going to do a job well, they're going to work hard and they're going to stick around. Like that's what we know what we want. Let's flip the table a little bit and talk about what the candidate wants, right? So hot off the press, this is brand new survey data that just recently came out. I've been studying it extremely in depth because it comes out once a year. Uh, it's by Deloitte and they analyze the labor and the workforce out there. And they give some incredible, incredible data that I have found very insightful and it, and it shows trends, it shows movement. And so they went out and they've talked to Gen Z and millennial workforce. That's probably who you're recruiting right now. Let's be honest, mm -hmm. that's probably sure. who you're hiring and you're frustrated about. This ain't your grandma's generation, people. They have zero loyalty, loyalty to your company probably during that first year. Yeah. So for you to think like, oh, they've been around a month, there's no way they wouldn't not show up to the job next Monday is not correct. This is a generation 
that is equally as comfortable as getting a new job as going to see, you know, a new band that they don't know. Like, like they just, mm. it's just part of their culture. Like they're okay with moving around and changing different jobs. They're not afraid right. of their resume showing that they had different employers every six months. Mm. So Deloitte analyzes this and asks the candidates, if you had an unexpected health emergency that cost $400, do you want to have enough money to cover that expense? 68% of the respondents said no. Mm. They don't have $400 set aside to cover an unexpected medical expense. Now analyze that for a minute. What does that tell you? Well, you can kind of dive in and say, what do they want? Well, they, they, want, they want an employer that's going to give them consistency. So if we're talking about what to do in the first 90 days of a new hire, you have to demonstrate consistency, that they're consistently going to have income. I know a lot of painters only want to pay the, the employee when, there's, when they're on a job site. Right. I get it. But maybe it's time to re retool and look at how you're using your labor and how you're allocating hours of project time and how you're doing payments to give them consistency. Go to where right. the pain is. Their pain is they don't have consistency. Let's find a way to model that. So onboarding is show them consistency. Um, with, with the other sense of the pain point, the number one thing that millennials and Gen Zs said that they care about before accepting a job offer is work-life balance combined with opportunities of growth. Mm -hmm. It didn't talk about a raise. Now, I, I talked about income at the beginning because I think that that's a very important pain point to identify. Sure. But they want to see opportunities of growth. So I think that's important in the first onboarding sequence is set the vision. What does it look like in my company? Are we setting the vision of here's the projects we have on our calendar now that you need to go execute and here's how to do it. Here's how to tape. Here's how to right. cut in. Or are we actually talking about here's the vision of how you have a long-term place with my company yeah. that right there addressed and planted is going to resonate deeper and deeper. So when they have their first bump in the road on day nine, Right. It doesn't trigger a thought of, I should look for another job. It just yeah. triggers, hey, the bump in the road. It's okay. I have a vision. Right. And, and you know, what I would, you know, say is that uh, for a lot of companies, even those at the, you know, million dollar to, you know, maybe, maybe $2 million mark, um, even those companies, I think that the path for growth doesn't, it, the ceiling is pretty close, right? Like the ceiling is the ceiling's pretty short. Uh, you know, certainly if you're you're at a company where you, you've you've got just a handful of people, you look at the boss and and they're they're the crew leader, they're the estimator, they're doing they're doing everything. Um, there is no there is no next level. The next level is you you become your own boss. Um, even at a company where you have crew leaders, project managers, and uh, salespeople. Even there, the growth seems limited because that's just one or two steps until you you hit the the ownership ceiling, and you know I just and and it doesn't take much to figure out what what these you know project managers are making to figure out that like well this isn't my forever job and and uh, and it is hard work and and I am it does take a long time to learn and 
And unless I unless I love the work and I'm committed to the work, um, I, I don't know what my future looks like in this industry. And and I and I definitely experienced that um, not only from the standpoint of just position, but also personal identity. Um, you know, I'd, I'd have guys that would go to the paint store and they'd look around and they think, I don't know if this is who I am here, you know, looking at these people. I don't know if, <laughs> you know, and so there's yeah. so much pertaining to the idea of growth that is working against us in this field that I, I have to ask, what can we do to make the growth path not only clear, but look more attractive? Well, I think it's important to understand the life cycle of a new hire is not 30 years, right? We mm -hmm. don't need to paint a vision of growth to retire with my company. Sure. But we can paint a vision of the next five years. And it starts with, um, it's kind of one of the points I'm going to bring in a little bit later about accountability, but we're going to talk, we're going to talk a lot about scorecards and when talking through a scorecard with a new hire, I think it's important to ask them what they want out of this. What does the next three to five years at this company look like to you to be success? Mm -hmm. So that when you show up to a birthday party for a friend and they go, hey, Torlando, what do you do for work? Their eyes light up and they're excited to tell them their job. How, yeah. what, is, what does that growth look like? And that's, mm -hmm. and that's a different than, you know, 20, 30 years into working with me. We're okay yeah. assuming that's not going to happen. Right. That's okay. But there's also a very, very strong subset of this next generation that doesn't want to take the risk to be their own boss. Mm. So asking up front, what do you want what do you matter? You might find very clearly, they're going to say, I want to own my own painting contracting company in the next five to 10 years. You're like, great, let's build a path to train you, give the resources to help you be successful. But you may be surprised where they say, I want to be a really stable job where I can grow and I can learn, but I'm not interested in taking a risk and being my own boss. Right, right. I think it's important to have that distinction. I think how you communicate, train, support them changes based on their response. Yeah. And I, and I think hand in hand with this, with this growth, I, I mean, I really do like this idea of just saying, all right, maybe, maybe we're not going to give them a place where they can retire, but in the next five years, can we really help them grow to their next, to the next stage of, of, of life for them, whatever that is. And can we, can we at least give them um, the consistency and the, and the work-life balance so that they're committed while they're here and they're having fun while they're here so that they um, can have fond memories of the, of the time. I think that growth plan, it goes hand in hand with um, establishing, you know, dedicated mentorship, wouldn't you say? Mentorship is critical. That is a massive component of this growth framework that millennials care about is who's going to who's going to coach me who's going to train me up and what we have found and this i know this doesn't apply to every organization here in pca and listening to this show but someone other than the boss so other than the owner of the business 
I think it's important for them to be the person that can put their arm around the individual and let them know that they're cared about and together we're going to go accomplish your goals. That culture framework of empathy and understanding of the trials of what it's like in the first 30, 60, 90 days of the job and someone that can be a resource, an outlet to talk to when things get hard is magical. That is a massive differentiator between companies who have great retention and those who do not is mentorship. Who's putting their arm around new hires and saying, we're in this together. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so good. You know, I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember, uh, uh, when I first started in, in my painting, uh, career, um, I had, uh, I had a guy training me. Um, he was not the owner of the company you know, he did not, he did not sign my checks. Um, but he became a very close friend, uh, you know, during, during that time. And, and even when I moved on from the, we both moved on from the company at, at some point, um, but we would see each other, um, often in, uh, uh, in the paint store and, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little, I'm getting a little somber here because, uh, he actually just passed away. I, I found out unexpectedly oh. at the age of 41. Um, great, great man. His name's Pat Hayes. I, you know, I, I honor him on this, on this podcast. Uh, he, he taught me how to paint and that, you know, took me for a lot for, through a lot of things in my life. Um, you know, this industry has provided a lot of things and he really helped me to mm. have a, a love of the craft itself. Uh, because he was so, uh, because he just, he just loved it so much. And, um, and, and so, you know, I, I, I think about him and, and the mentorship he offered me and the, and the attitude he had towards the work. And that really uh, impacted me much, much beyond the scope of that one job that we were on for the couple of years. Um, and so I just, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm throwing all the support behind this idea of the importance of mentorship, because um, if you give somebody uh, a friend um, that they can lean on, um, that that relationship is gonna it's gonna last for a long time. Um, especially if that if that individual mentor is is willing and they and they understand and are bought into to how important it is. Well, I, this is one of those things that is not just a checklist item. Becoming a friend and a mentor really takes time. And so thinking about how do we onboard someone that really buys into the culture, that buys into the loyalty of our brand, it really is around time. And I think slowing down in that first 30, 60, 90 days instead of quickly just throwing them on their own at a job site saying, okay, I need this done by the end of the day. Right. Maybe slow down. Maybe spend more consciously spend more time with them, coaching, mentoring, talking about issues outside of the work, mm. um, taking the time to go sit down at a sit down restaurant for lunch once a week and just have straight conversational, deep connection. Those moments breed loyalty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> I like this, uh, this, this aspect of the, the first, you know, couple, cause I mean, we know that especially if we're bringing on somebody brand new, brand spanking new, that they're not going to produce on time. 
but even people who, you know, tell you that they have five, six years of experience, a lot of times they come in and they're not producing on time. They're not producing up to standard. You have to re-coach and retrain and, and get them to do this. What should the ramp up time look like uh, in, in training a, an individual? I mean, I think in my, in my experience, I've felt like it takes probably about I don't know, about three months until they really can do the skill, but they're still not up to speed. It, it, it kind of takes a, about 12 months for them to actually get up to speed. And I'm wondering if that's just universal or if that is just painting. I, I really don't know. Uh, but what should we expect out of this ramp up time? You know what? 12 months is actually considered norm across many industries. Mm. Um, contractor services may even be a little longer. Um, so having realistic expectations is important for you as you're mentoring, coaching, onboarding someone to, to recognize it, it's an investment of time. Mm. And that's why it hurts so much if somebody quits on month seven. Right. Like that hurts so much more than if somebody quit on month two. Right. Because of the investment, the time, the training. So it's the little things that matter to protect that new hire to ensure they're not quitting. So one way that I've seen that be very effective is to have, in my organization, we do weekly scorecards for the first 90 days. Mm. What that is, is our scorecard is broken into three major buckets. The first bucket is a KPI, quantitative measurables. And there's a green, yellow, and red metric. And we talk about it every single Wednesday with a new hire. Um, and usually there's three to five elements. And it's, you know, percentage of days showed up on time to work. 90 mm -hmm. plus percent, you're in the green. 85 to 90%, you're in the yellow. Anything less than that is in, you're in the red category. Mm. And it's, it's meant to say, here's the non-negotiables. And... I'm not the bad guy. These are your numbers every week. Right. And I'm, I'm there to love them up. I'm there to love them up to make sure they're always in the green. What can we do to help support you to get you to the green, get to mm -hmm. the green. And, and, it's, and they know how important it is just because we review it together. And these reviews take 15 minutes. This is mm -hmm. not a huge time investment. Hey, we're mm -hmm. going to do your, your weekly scorecard review. We go through it. Second of three sections. So the second section is, uh, the, the skill sets required to perform on the KPIs. It's a measurement between uh, zero to five, five being they're perfectly, the skill sets are perfectly aligned, zero being they're not. So again, mm -hmm. when we're talking in the painting industry, we're talking about, hey, there's a lot of skills, hard skill sets. We're going to rate and review how they're performing to ensure their KPIs are getting hit 100% mm -hmm. of the time. Mm -hmm. And then the third, the third section is we review our core values every week. Mm, Here's our core mm. values. Um, what one of us is there's there's power and balance is one of our core values. So we talk about hey, what are you doing in your life right now? Where are you feeling the biggest strain? Where where's where's the leaky bucket in your life? What what are the pressures? If we don't have balance in all things of our business or of our personal lives, there's no way we have balance in business. So mm. we talk we talk about hey, how do you, how is your power of balance right now? How would you rate yourself? Um, anything we can do on our end to help with that. Those quick reviews create a sense of accountability and, and there's no surprise if somebody quits on you at month seven. Right. 
right? Because right. we've consist we've built a framework of care, of nurture, of mentorship, showing them we're committed to them, they're committed back to us, and it's completely transparent. Right. Um, and that's that's a framework we've seen implemented across some of the best companies is the scorecard philosophy. And I know a lot of folks follow kind of the EOS uh, operating system, the entrepreneurial sure. operating system, the traction. Um, Gino talks about this a lot. There are a number of podcasts and webinars that Gino discusses about scorecards and mm-hmm. um, kind of alignment to that vision traction organizer you have in your company mm-hmm, mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. that that's a really important thing to review and make sure that there's alignment yeah yeah absolutely yeah the other the other uh, book that talks about the scorecard is uh the four disciplines of execution by uh, stephen r covey and um yeah i'll tell you what um you know there there are certain personality types too um i, I don't know if you i don't know if you subscribe to the enneagram uh, philosophy. If you've heard of it, I do. And I'm an Enneagram three and I'll tell you what a scorecard, if I could, if I could see a, a scoreboard, uh, I'm going to figure out how to put points on the board. Uh, cause that's just the kind of person that I am. <laughs> and there are a lot of people out there that are like that. Um, it's, it's important, I think to see, um, what I like about what you were saying just with the, with the review of the core values is that, um, it makes it more qualitative as opposed to only quantitative. Um, You know, I think when people talk about KPIs, key performance indicators, um, a lot of times they are, in my opinion, erroneously putting up lagging measures as as their mark, Um, a lagging measure, meaning that those are outcomes that come from, uh, you know, some type of activity. Um, But oftentimes the outcome is uh, somewhat out of your control because it, it it often requires somebody else to make a decision the 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 uh, agency is in the hands of, of another person you know this is common in like a sales goal for example so if you have salespeople and you and you say okay we gotta we gotta sell uh you know 20 jobs this month for um you know for for five thousand dollars each um and that's and that's what you're responsible for um the the challenge with that is that uh the the person that says yes is the the customer and we can't control if they have enough money for it. They, we can't control if the timing aligns with our with our schedule or with our availability. There's so many things that are outside of our control. If we put our measurement, our KPI on the lag measure, um, your salespeople are trying to optimize their you know the winnings towards something that's halfway out of their control. But if you put um, the emphasis on a lead measure which are the activities that lead to positive outcomes, um, such as, okay, um, you know, we're going to make this many, uh, you know, we're going to knock on this many doors, or we're going to make this many phone calls, or we're going to follow up X number of times. Those are things that are in the control of the salesperson that whether the person says yes or no, uh, that, that doesn't matter. They hit, if they hit their numbers, then we, we look at the, we look at the overall math. So if we say, okay, it takes 10 calls to to get to one yes, then how many yeses do we want? Well, we want 20 yeses, then you got to do 200 calls, right? So so it puts the control in the hands of the the employee rather than, you know, uh, 
give holding them accountable to something that they uh, they they just ultimately have no control over. That is so spot on, and and I, it's a great way of saying that is you're looking at your lagging and leading indicators, and, and in the scorecard environment, if you're doing it correctly, you would see that the skill sets required to perform the job often become the leading indicators of retention. If they continually miss the mark and feel strain after week after week that they can't, their skill sets are not getting dialed in to perform the job, that's usually a leading indicator. It's not the right fit. Mm -hmm. You either made the wrong hire or they're not committed to performing. And now, now there's no shock factor if you fire them because they, they know you've yeah. been reviewing this with them week by week but also right. there's no shock factor to you if they quit because they 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 recognize i keep missing the mark right and so the lagging indicator a lot of times in hiring is when we hire and fire that's the as the outcome right the leading indicator or what are those elements that lead to the output that lead to the final outcome, right? So yeah. I, a really, really great addition to that that commentary. I, I really like that. Yeah, awesome. So um, Ryan, if we um, if we mess this onboarding stuff up, uh, what what are what are some of the consequences? It's so expensive. I mean, the cost. Everyone's got different numbers, right? The 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 cost of a bad hire is four x the annual income. I mean. It, it's different by every company and industry, but we all we all know it's it. The smell test is it costs a lot. The yeah. opportunity cost alone is just very deflating, and I think that um, in in an organization that wants to see growth momentum, when you have somebody quit on you, or you have to fire someone because it's the wrong fit, it stops that growth momentum in its tracks. Right. And that is frustrating. It, 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 everyone knows that feeling. If it's gone through this, it's just, it's demoralizing. You're dwelling on it. You're not as passionate yeah. when you go to give your next bid. Cause you're got that lingering in the back of your mind. Right. Oh, I'm down a guy. I'm down two guys. Mm -hmm. um, it's very powerful when you have the right team they're onboarded correctly, and they're very bought into the vision, mission, and growth of the organization together. And that becomes a very powerful combination. Is it? It's no longer about it's Torlando's painting company. It's together as a team, we're accomplishing these goals together. Right. And and it's very unifying. I, I mean, I've owned my own business for, gosh, fifteen years now. And it feels lonely. Yeah. Like it really does. And and I think this audience gets that. Yeah. Um, it's hard to wake up every day and go be the rah rah cheerleader. Let's get every up buddy up and going. And oh crap, you're mad at me because I forgot to email you. Like yeah. that's hard. It's hard to be that person 24 seven. Right. So taking the time to bring someone in with alignment, expectations it really can help take a lot off of your shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. So good. So good. Uh, Ryan, um, 
tell us a little bit about uh, Viva HR and uh, and the the relationship with the PCA and and how uh, how you guys can, are are uniquely suited to help us with this hiring and onboarding problem. This is the worst part of the interview for me. I I am not a sales guy. This is not my things to sell Viva HR. I love sharing, educating, and super passionate about sharing my own personal experiences. One thing that I've really enjoyed, though, is is my direct involvement with PCA because we were able to help them come in and build an industry-leading job board. This job board is now getting syndicated and pushed out to Google for jobs, a lot of other top niche-related websites. So it gets picked up in search engines, and we're building a really robust library of the best painters to work for in America. And, and, and that, that excites me. Uh, Viva HR happens to be the engine that powers it. Our system also has direct relationships with close to 60 job boards, uh, anything from ZipRecruiter to Google for jobs to the Indeed. And we publish to the Indeed, or excuse me, we publish to the organic section of these platforms, which means you don't have to pay per click. You get your job published out there and you're focused on quality of click-through, not forced, like, I'm going to sponsor till I'm blue in the face, right. spending all this money only to find out it's like, oh, I got a hairdresser applying to this painter job. Totally different. Right, right, right. I know coloring is involved in both of those, <laughs> but it's very different, right? And that's what we see is when you're sponsoring the jobs. And so I love helping companies say, they, and most don't realize there's a way to get free traffic and, and, and it's through publishing through um, published partners. So Viva HR is one of those publishers. But the thing I'm most excited about is this PCA job or to really help create a vision of here's the top painting companies um, really to work with. That's awesome. That's awesome. So the, the website on that is jobs.pcapaint.org to get your job posted and to leverage VVHR. Uh, I, I highly recommend just going to the website, vvhr.com to check out uh, all the tools that are there. I, uh, it's, it's a cool system. You know, you, you there's candidate tracking, um, you know, the, the way that you uh, it, it assist in kind of building out that job description um, so that it is searchable, but also so that it's interesting. Um, it's a phenomenal tool. I, I highly recommend uh, checking it out. Ryan, um, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I appreciate your time and, and the conversation. Oh, thank you, Torlando. Great stuff, by the way. Awesome. All right, there we have it, folks. Ryan Naylor with Viva HR. I, I got to tell you, you, you really should check out this tool. Um, you know, the, the people that I know who have been on it, they are uh, they're receiving results. Um, and and I'll, I'll add that, you know, so many people, they put, they put so much effort into marketing and sales and they put time and money into it. And uh, so often the hiring piece, the, the recruiting piece becomes a, an afterthought. And I was on a, so I was on this, this virtual roundtable um, and I remember talking to Brian Reese. He was commenting, uh, Brian Reese from uh, Bella's Army. Um, he was saying, you you guys really have to treat your recruiting effort just like you would marketing. You have to sustain the effort. You have to constantly be putting out those, uh, you know, those job ads and and be farming the best talent. OK, think of it like farming rather than uh, spearfishing for when you 
you know, you, too many people, they go out and they, they try to, they take their pole and they try to fish when they're hungry. Um, well, it's too late. It's too late. You're, you're not going to find the person that you need. You're going to find a warm body and that's not going to serve your customers well. It's not going to serve you well. It's going to result in a lot of headaches. So I highly recommend when, when you commit to, to using VVHR that you stay with it and that you let those uh, those leads of candidates keep rolling on in. Um, great show. I, thanks again to Ryan uh, for that conversation. I uh, I was You probably saw me with my head down half the time because I was taking so many notes. I hardly uh, ever take notes on the show, but this, the content was so good there that I had to start taking notes. Um, if you want to see more episodes of Paint Ed, go to PCA. Uh, paint.ed.org. Um, look for PC Overdrive. You can watch the video of this. Of course, we are on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show so that you can never miss an episode. Um, also, uh, once you get these folks into your business, once you get them onboarded, um, a great system to manage your production uh, comes in the book that I wrote, uh, called Sprint. It is a scrum playbook for paint trade and craftsman professionals. You can find that on Amazon. Just search for my name, Torlando, and it'll pop up. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the show. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.